Well, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Alana Rogachevska, and I'm sitting in a virtual place uh, with two uh, people I admire. Uh, I am the director of the Performing Arts Center at Governor State University, and I have with me um, Shapsu Ayaku, uh, the playwright and the artistic director of um, Impact African Centered Theater, and Andy White, uh, the founding member and uh, very exciting title. Um, that we, he'll share with you of uh, the Looking Glass Theater. Um, this is August 19, 2022, and we are exactly four weeks before the show we are trying to give birth to, and the name of the show is Red Summer. Shapsu, Andy, anything else to, <laughs> to, set, to set the stage? You know, one thing that occurs to me is that it's, you said August 19th, and it is, uh, so it's, you know, about three weeks ago on Wednesday was the anniversary of the murder of Eugene Williams, July 27th, you know, which is relatively recently in terms of the anniversary being fresh and freshly remembered. And um, as we've been in rehearsal the last couple of weeks or so, I've been just thinking about that, um, uh, the the proximity of the event physically and and you know, so geographically, but also time-wise, um, it's just been fresh on fresh on our minds. I think. Yeah. The so part of, part of the the journey. Really, we're we're already talking about the journey, right? Like, what's the stuff you're walking Very in the room so, with yes. every day, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, we we use the 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 metaphor that we're birthing something um, because it's. You know, takes a bit of time, and uh, there's some discomfort in there. And <laughs> hopes and dreams and aspirations are all sort of wrapped in there, and then there's at some point just the business of getting it out into the world. <laughs> and um, that that question of how do you make a thing? I mean, it, it, not to go too far down the crazy hole, but like if you're making a baby, it's pretty much a two-person endeavor, one person and a scientist, some variation, right? Uh, but getting a <laughs> show out is uh, it's, it's legions of people constantly trying to figure out how do you do something and then you add to it that has never been done. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of challenge in it and you do sit in the room sometimes just gobsmacked with the enormity of the e event that you were trying to stage. Not the enormity of the production, but the enormity of that moment in time that you're trying to capture, make sense for people, and, and, and accept the fact that you need to live in a space that isn't just about, did you get a good show for your two hours? But did, did we open some doors that may have been closed or encourage you to walk through a door that was open, but you perhaps didn't want to walk through it before this moment. And um, yeah, that, that is, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> just to connect it to, to, to Andy's statement, then I'll, I'll stand down for a second. So we're, we're really staging a scene called the Ballad of Eugene. And uh, spoiler alert, um, this play centers around um, a, a central tragic event and we are staging that central tragic event and we are stuck with the absolute beauty with which it has been created and authored by Mr. White. 
and the absolute beauty in which it is sung uh, by Mike Lynn and, and has been composed uh, by Sean. And you just see how pretty it is. And then it also has all of the ugly that is attached to the actual moment. And it, it I just get floored every day. So, that's, yeah. That's so true. And I was watching Andy Diamond direct that very moment last night and um it is it's this weird paradox of real beauty and real horror that are living sort of simultaneously uh in the moment it's really it's a it's really really interesting and we definitely i think thought about how to capture the innocence and the the beauty of a boy and his friends going out on the lake on a really hot summer day for their breath of peace and fresh air and fun and play. And what resulted from, not from their actions, but from the actions of others because of hatred, you know, um, that that was roiling underneath the surface and not always under the surface, sometimes right above too, but was roiling that whole time, just simmering, um, waiting to explode happens then. It's like, yeah that, yeah that that trigger well you were talking it, about joy in pain they're sort of like opposite and at the same time they're part of the same experience of the same life experience we're talking about birthing something i'm remembering mm -hmm. my birthing experience in which midwife reminded me that every contraction is not pain don't think about it as pain think about mm -hmm. it as a wave that is coming and your body is doing something natural that women have done years before you and stay <laughs> present with the moment and feel yeah. it. So as we stay present with the moment, what does this moment feel like for you? The, 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 there's a, it's, um, I, I will be completely, I, I guess we should say who's who. So I'm, this is Shep Sue talking, I suppose. <laughs> you all have two voices, but you don't know which one is which. So um, the thing that, strikes me in the middle of all of that beauty is how rare um, the opportunity it is to sit in a place where the life of a Black boy is depicted in the joy and beauty and awe of it, as opposed to having all of the extra junk that's typically attached to the discussion of the uh, uh, Black boy's adolescence and all the danger not so much that's visited upon them, though that's certainly a, a conversation, but so much about the danger that they represent to everything and everyone around them. And, and you're watching the piece, which you know ends tragically, but there's just this moment where it is a glorious accepting of the humanity of the subject. And that's a big deal, but it's bigger because you, at least for me, while I sit there, I also realize how seldom I get to see that. And that is, uh, um, that for, for, for me as an artist, it's a, it's a transformative moment. You, you sit there and you say, all right, well, I gotta make more of these. <laughs> I, I, gotta, I gotta, you know, tra tragedy notwithstanding, I have to make more of these moments where we get to be full people. And, um, uh, and, and, and again, crafted incredibly well by Mr. White. You know what I was thinking also, I was thinking about why, because I think this joy question or the beauty um, that we're talking about is one of the reasons that we veered 
<laughs> not accidentally except entirely, but we veered towards this being a musical, which is again such a, a such a strange paradox. Like, why? How? How can such tragic events be turned into? And why would you would you turn it into a musical? And um, um, I hesitate even to use the term a musical because it's it it doesn't fit. I think what is most people's conception of what a musical think uh, feels and sounds like it has music in it and a lot there's a lot of the play that is sung, but it doesn't. I don't think feel like a, a lot of musicals do. But I think one of the reasons that that with especially the Eugene Williams, which was the first piece that, that I wrote that we wrote together was um, uh, written in verse was to be able to access um, the uh, sort of his point of view, um, an interior monologue. And that's harder to do in just sort of a straight play. But because it's poetry because you have um you're freed from and i'm i'm a painfully literal person i tend to be like really yeah just just painfully literal but when i flip into poetic mode then sort of anything becomes possible it gives me i feel like i have permission to sort of um go anywhere and uh it made it possible to sort of think about his experience of that day of the sky of the 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 his you know the way he got to the beach um doing the research from his friends their his friends testimony what happened that day um to incorporate that to get to what what Shepsu I think is talking about which is you know the the um the transcendent beauty that's in all of us <laughs> we usually cover it over with all sorts of layers of other stuff, but um, it's there if we find and we, you know, our hope is to um, unveil it uh, a little bit more regularly through pieces like this, through music, through poetry. And music and poetry allow us glimpses of that in a way that sort of often straight plain old drama, not if there's anything wrong with that, but is, is, um, sometimes locks things into a more realistic narrative and um, music and poetry give us permission to think in a, in a different way. It, it, it's also this, <clears throat> it's also this, um, we've got to cover uh, multiple perspectives. It's only a week's worth of time on an actual calendar. Yeah. And even with an intermission, we're only allowed 47 hours of stage time in front of an audience. Okay, not really. Two hours. In front of an audience. Lana just broke into a sweat. So the thing that, that works is what does music give, give me? It, it gives me compression in ways that I don't yeah. get in regular, <clears throat> regular, um, in a straight drama. And don't get me wrong. Most of my 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 stock and trade has been in writing dramas that that may have music in them, but but no one would strain to call them musicals. That's probably written two or three musicals that you could kind of wrap your head if that's what it is. But the the the, the joy of it is that the then you get to create a world with such density because you can have the conversation of what is being sung? What am I seeing? What are the perspectives? And in a song, you can introduce characters and dispatch with them in ways that you never could in a drama because I would need a whole backstory and I have to create a whole sort of 
convention around how do we do that and in a song you can just get all of that in there and the audience can fully appreciate it and you can help them feel their way through something that perhaps they have heretofore only thought their way through and musicals help you do that so for you this is your why why you selected to make it a musical or theatrical work with music has this always been a decision? Have you always known that that's the type of work you're going to create? Uh, you asked, I guess that's, I'll, I'll, I'll just chime in real quick that we're, we're both um, men with some facility with instruments. <laughs> what are your uh, instruments? Oh, don't ask that question because my <laughs> the basic rule and impact is that you give it to me two weeks before the show, I will figure out how to play. You'll figure out how to play. Okay. <laughs> That's something I did not know. At least okay. well enough to get through this show. Um, uh, the only instrument that I am too in- intimidated to even try to pick up is a violin because mm. uh, I just don't want to put other people through that. Um, but it, it means that we're not unaccustomed to thinking musically um and so it, it just becomes an easier uh, exp- it's it's part of it's an extension of who you are it's part of how you how you speak it's part of your vocabulary and frequently as a person who makes music um i am figuring out ways to validate that in a world that isn't inherently musical i.e not a musical the other way is this way where it's well, I don't have to suppress any of it because it, it the world is Whatever comes inherently musical. And th- really the tension in the play is it, it really is a tweener in ways that, that you will only gather by seeing it, that it, 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 every bit of weight isn't in song. There's an awful lot of the heft of the world that just exists in dialogue, which is generally speaking, a departure from a standard musical. And yet the, the songs also carry so much weight. And so you, you, you're watching this um, tension between what I hear and see and, and then what has musical accompaniment. And I've just learned to accept that it's all music. Sometimes it's just acapella. Hmm. And the music is incredibly rich yeah, and versatile. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, that's From again. Hip hop to, to house music, to gospel, to Polish folk song, to... I'm not sure what else I'm missing. Yeah, Charleston. I, I don't even know that we've court, that we've <laughs> categorized it while we're doing it. It just is what it is. I'm categorizing <laughs> it in my mind as I yeah. during the rehearsals, like I hear yeah. it and I'm like, oh, that's that's yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sean um, is. I mean, it has that full range of vocabularies that he's able to bring in to suit you know whatever the song is asking for. What what you know what is being um, pursued and uh, required for each segment of storytelling. The other thing that I think the other reason, or one of the other reasons why I think we ended up leading in this direction was actually one of the very first things that we talked about. Shepsa, when you, you know, we had one of our first breakfasts um, mm-hmm. talking about this subject, you talked about the levy and how the, the vice district uh, yeah. That was in the early 20th century and how there were these houses of, you know, of, of vice, <laughs> the brothels, um, but that were all, you know, where, where anyone and everyone, it was, you know, it, it was an all swim. Everyone could, <laughs> could be there, right? Um, regardless of um, your skin tone. 
And, uh, and there was always, you know, the, so they had liquor and sex and music and music was a part of the, you know, the, the vo working vocabulary um, yeah. and the daily experience and expression of those sites. And so that was another, I think another reason why we felt like that might give us permission to have these characters express themselves in song and have our storytelling express yeah. itself in in this way so that was an additional factor it it's it's also really like if, if you really want to talk about how you get licensed right so we, we can spend all day talking about the, the 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 musicality of the show but part of it is how do you get the license to dive into the material um so one of the things that's really fun for me is that um, i don't have to represent everybody and i don't have to think out every line of dialogue for every character there's two other creatives in the room that, that walk in with, with considerable skill. But then there's also just, and you know, I'll be honest about it. Chicago hasn't changed all that much. And so I don't have to make it all up. I don't have to imagine this world. Uh, I grew up in that world. Um, I still live in that world. Um, you know, we've, as, as my mother is fond of saying, you can keep rearranging the chairs on the Titanic, but the ship is still going down. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> And that that I frequently feel like that's the history of Chicago. And I know that people like to sort of cloak every conversation in the inevitability of progress and the in inevitability that because it has changed, it has therefore moved forward. I think that part of the conversation of the play is, well, it, it, the facade might be a bit different, but I don't know that the basic machinery is much different. And ha having lived through um, the, the summer of 2020 in particular, um, yeah, I'm, I'm as convinced now as I ever was that, that, that we're not really telling a hundred year old story at all. We're, we're telling a story of today and it's just easier for people to watch it if they believe it's a hundred years ago. So using the live, it's a, it's a living history exercise, yeah, yeah, as yeah. Sean puts it. Yeah, living histories in, right now. Totally, and in ways that we also couldn't have anticipated. You know, when, when did we when did we start working on this in twenty sixteen? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and um, you know, I did not see a plague coming our way. That was a plague that it was very much like the Spanish flu. Yeah. In its, I mean, you know, in, in its, in how it manifested in terms of its, you know, the, the symptoms, fever, cough, dot, you know, just, you know, all, all of the things that we have since known about, I had no experience of and never dreamt that I would have experience yeah. of. Um, you know, there, there's a line that the, uh, the mayor has in, I think near the top of Act Two, where he says something like, I'm going to get this wrong here, but something like, uh, you know, a, a war in Europe, a great plague, riots in the streets. I can't wait to see what this century, you know, what the what the new century has next. And yeah. I think we're checking all of those boxes <laughs> right now in this moment. Yeah. Lana, as you know yourself very well, you know, with and, and very personally with the war in, in Ukraine. Um, so uh, it's, yeah, you know, as they say, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, but until you address the, the major systemic causes of uh, why Chicago remains one of the most segregated cities in the country, you know. It, it is about borders. I mean, the, the imaginary borders that we create in our mind, um, I, 
you you alluded to, we were recording, I think um, we were doing some footage for our production on our stage. Both of you were on our campus at Governor State University and mm -hmm. that was February 24, 2022, yeah. the day Russia invaded Ukraine. And um, the connections that I see to this play as somebody who has not seen Chicago in 1919 and doesn't have the wealth of the and the richness of the history you have, uh, it's a universal topic. It's a, just a universal issue of people creating imaginary borders and constructing the, the history and the story that is convenient for someone else and creating hatred where there should be none. It, it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting um, because, so part of the struggle you have as an artist, right, is how do you, how do you talk about real things and in the complexity they're in frequently in a manner that people find uncomfortable to look at and would prefer to look away? And how do you uh, entice them into those spaces without them feeling like you just asked them to take a PhD uh, sort of trip through the school, Indeed. right? Indeed, that's the and, hardest and, part. And, and yeah, and so, so really part of the thing that we have to look at to, to make Chicago make sense is that it's always, it's, it's, it's for me, it's not about imaginary boundaries at all. It's about very real ones. It's about power, uh, control, the right to define other people's lives, the, the, the right to use those definitions and the systems in place to extract advantage for yourself and manufacture disadvantage for others. And, and again, those levers have not left our city. They have not left our country. I, I just on the train of the trip to crazy town that has been the last three years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, to watch the voting rights get rolled back, to watch Roe versus Wade get rolled back, to watch an insurrection yeah. in our capital where a Confederate flag is running through the halls of Congress, to watch U.S. citizens literally run through chasing congressmen so they can quote unquote string them up you could not imagine that that world existed any place else other than a hollywood movie starring gerard butler so you just <laughs> could not wrap your head around that that's what the world is but the issue for me the part that's so illuminating is is that it didn't take us 50 years to get there it was a switch it was that close my sister just uh, uh sent somebody to me um a, a comedian and an actress named amanda sales who's on uh, was on Insur on on insecure and she has this podcast look at i'm plugging somebody else's stuff and in the <laughs> middle of that she says that she's a very hot person in quotes that there's just this stream of lava, which isn't about anger. It's just a stream of lava, this intensity and energy, and that it is paper tissue thin under the surface of our skin. Mm -hmm. And that it takes so little to rupture it. And then the lava just comes out. And that there's so there's so much work she has to do, personal work around, you know, managing that. And then I look at that, I hear that example and I think of that's our country, that we basically, that all that lava is still right there. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes so little to rupture it. And so flipping the switch backwards and forwards across a hundred years isn't this great existential exercise. It's just right in front of you. It takes, it's, it takes so little just to, to, to get the eruption, I suppose, is where, where we're going. So if this is so prime and so relevant and real and we're living it 
right here, right now, um, what does the success look like for you? In which arena? In the arena of bringing this event, bringing this performance to an audience in September of 2020. In the arena of sharing your craft and this day and time. <laughs> That's such a good question. And I have really no quick answer. Um, I, I, and, and there could be a multitude. Yeah, I mean, there's I'm, no right answer. There's. I mean, I, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is continual discovery. Like, you know, I think I think of this as the, our first real outing, our first real date with an audience um, and audiences, but where we're going to discover a lot, we're going to learn a lot about this piece and the kinds of things that, you know, you can, you can learn a lot in rehearsal, but you can only learn so much. And it's only but when you have an audience that you, you know, you, you really discover a great deal um, about, about the piece that you're working on. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that I, that sounds sort of selfish, like oh, we're going to learn about a lot about our, our piece. Um, so, but that is a part of it. Is is what's what is going to make the most effective um, version of of this story for us? And I guess by effective, though, this is where it's not just about you know the artists and the piece we're working on. If by effective, I mean what's going to have the impact that that Shepsu was talking about before, which is, um, you know, what what is going to make them feel and learn and be interested and not feel like they're on the receiving end of a, um, uh, you know, a crash a dissertation, course. yeah, <laughs> a dissertation or, or or some you know strident um, speech, but um, uh, but an experience. And what's, so I, I, I think we're just, we're, you know, hearing from them what was effective and, uh, and I don't mean, you know, like there's, there's post-show discussions and surveys and stuff, but I mean, listening to them during the show and watching their faces and hearing their responses is the surest way to find out like, oh yeah, this is working or, well, this needs still more work and a little more attention. Um, yeah. So, so I hear I you talking about the success defined by the discovery of the connection and the engagement and the experience. The success is something amorphous, something you could only sense at that particular moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, it, it's, it's always about like on what axis are we talking about, right? So there's, there's the university and it's, it's, it's got an investment in resources. It's got an investment in, in, in sort of people power. It's got... Um, Choices it, it, it had to make about, you know, well, if I, if I shun the support this way, it goes that way. And, and you definitely want to make sure that that investment um, feels satisfying for that entire community. Right. So there's beyond the greater question of um, the audience at large, the institution took a, a, a an uncommon path. And in my experience, they're typically loath to do so, not governor state in particular, but universities aren't typically saying, hey, could you find a really racially charged subject? And can I have no real control over how it works? And <laughs> let's put that on your stage. And like, but the point is that that model can work 
because that model allows for a thing that isn't, we could have been charged with how do I make this in a way where everybody's happy when they see it and everybody leaves with a song and a dance. And I'm not going to go way out on a limb, but I'm going to say there was a show on Broadway not too long ago that did not do all so well with trying to put a happy little toe tapping number on um, these issues in our country in, in roughly the same period of time. We, we, we have to be able to have an honest conversation and you can't do that without stakeholders that are willing to let it happen. And so part of, part of and not just willing to let it happen, like you stood by, like willing to be all in with you while it's happening. And, and that kind of partnership is being modeled and I think it's a success if, if at the end of it, people look at it and be like, that is a thing that should happen more often. And how do we do that? And that can happen within the confines of governor state. But I think it can, it can happen in the wider artistic community that we, we particularly in Chicago, and, and, and because Andy White has a, a company much like my, my own, which was started by a, a handful of students coming out of an institution with of higher learning with as opposed to uh, uh, one for mental health <laughs> coming out of an institution and, and having few um, resources and having to figure out how to make a way. And you, you look ahead three decades and it, it's uh, it, ooh, almost four. And you're left with the truth of it, which is the, the institutions exist mostly because of uh, sheer force of will. Right, that there's just so much. I we will not perish on this day on this rock kind of mentality. Um, but those institutions could be so much more if there was more partnering and more infrastructure and more recognizing that this is a value to to not just the academic community, not just an artistic community, but that we as as a culture are are placed in a, a, a much better position with it. So not to get all crazy on the soapbox, but there's a thing happening that frankly, it, it has not happened in any place that I've been allowed to be in, which doesn't mean it's never happened, but not around me so much. Uh, yeah. uh, you may feel differently. With, and thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. We're almost at the end of time. Why do you think this thing happened? This thing that has never happened before in the places you have been? Um, existing. Well, you were asking the tough questions. <laughs> With uh, on the clock, I know. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, in the business, we call it a postmortem. I think that's the kind of thing that's going to require us to come back and, and take a look at it. I think that the, the real uh, machinery here is that there is a pre-existing relationship between um, the, the creative uh, and the host, uh, um, what do they call you, a presenting organization? Is that what they typically call you? Um, yeah, but that that took years to develop. And, and even that happening, I mean, we actually started performing at Governor State even before Lana uh, uh, came in. But that- Over a decade, yes. Over yeah, that whole relationship had to happen just to get to this point. And- um, and, and it's extraordinary, but it's it's also really really rare. So it, it's doing several things there, and 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 the university always being willing to take a chance on the art that we make. And so this was this was a gradual progression to this place. We did not walk in the door the first day and said, "Hey, we want a check, and this is what we want it for, and we want your stages, and then we want you to let us do it." So yeah, that's it's a It's like a marriage. 
It's really and we're interesting. making a baby. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm I was going to say, step, step in our relationship that it's time to, <laughs> to produce. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, the, the value of building a relationship over time just can't be uh, overstated. Understated? Overstated? I can never remember. Um, but it's, it's incredible. Like, that, that speaks volumes to the investment that both institutions have made, impact and governor state, but yeah. institutions are just made of people. And uh, just people like you, Lana, who are willing to take some risks, but the risks are built. You're willing to take risks because of that relationship that has been forged because mm-hmm. of, you know, you're, it, it feels like an acceptable level of risk because you've, you've witnessed the work that this person has done before. And, and um, you've, you've been in the room with each other for long enough that you feel like, yeah, no, this is, this has great potential. And yes, there's some risk attached, but there's also potentially, some really great reward. Um, yeah. I was going to say, maybe we, just no, ahead, our, our theme for the conversation, maybe it's not post-mortem, maybe it's postpartum. Aha. Just, sort of, just oh, I love it. Uh, I, I will leave you with this thing because I just think it's funny um, and illuminating to, to the particular topic. So, so because we have this uh, longer history, um, so we, we did a musical right before um right before covid hit um one of the last things that we actually did before covid hit and um the school basically said we would like you to do this musical and it's a very popular musical and it's it's uh, um, uh, very was very well received as far as I, I understand and i recall sitting in the lobby one watching um 2000 plus people well, maybe it wasn't that many, but the whole place was full. I don't know how many seats were in there, but there's a lot of people. And, and I'm standing there and, I'm, and my wife is standing beside me and I'm like, yeah, we don't ever get this many people to come see um, the work that we're doing in the city because it's, it's, um, the, you know, it's a lot more to chew on. And then it's funny because maybe two minutes later, Lana walked up and she said, house is full, but I don't really feel like we're feeding people. And so, and she was like, yeah, we, we, there, there's, because again, they had asked us to do that show and she really was like, I'm pleased with this product. I'm very happy with the thing that you have. It is hitting the, the people the way we wanted it to, the community wanted the work. We're happy to do it, but there's this other thing we could probably do and then jump ahead. And lo and behold, it was like, yeah, let's just, let's, let's go ahead and try to give them the full meal. Hmm. And uh, that was it. Shep, uh, so it seems like we have this tradition. Um, yeah. Every time after you finish the show, um, whether we sit in on stage, post-show discussion, or right after the Q&A, um, there's a question in the air, sort of, what's next? Yeah. Uh, we finished the starting over, and we were talking about, you know, what would feed the community, and we talked about this work. We finished another work, and this question of what's next? Um, and I'm assuming that when you invited me to the Logan Center for the reading of the Red Summer, Mm-hmm. And when you pitched me the show, that what's next was also. Well, oh, you give me much too much a, credit. There was a trust, and there was a trust in this <laughs> what's next uh, already built in. <laughs> you give me much too much credit. So just to be fair, yes, the trust is there. I I have never known what was next with this project in particular, at any step of this process. Andy and I sat down at a restaurant. We said we should do something together that turned into a play then it had no place to go and then suddenly there was like a place to go 
And then, so here's the truth of that Logan moment. It wasn't about seeding the next thing. It really was, this might be all we ever get to do with this. Who should be in the room? Like it was literally the notion of, I have no idea if it will ever be anything more than this moment. This might be as close. We had had one stage reading before mm-hmm. at Fleetwood Jordan, one of the partners that helped us put this together. And, um, but then we had, we had no music and uh, or very little music and then we came and we did the logan thing and we were just in that space kind of gobsmacked with the the bounty that of of what their investment meant right that we got 10 days and we got to do the whole thing in there and we could at least hear the whole songbook and it just kind of felt like yeah man this might be our show (laughs) like we we may not and so who should come and then everything, it was, it was like, a, a, I'm going to date myself. Right? It was like an R gang, a little rascals thing. Like we're putting on a show. How do we get everybody in the room to see it? And no notion that it ever was going to get another day in the sun. Um, a, a hope perhaps, but no real notion that there was any way. Cause we always just felt like the show was just that we had, we had dreamed bigger than it was possible to produce. And, um, and it was, good to, 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 to have a chance to, for people to sit in that thing. Like, it's never going to be able to happen, but ooh, this is what it would have sounded like. And you were the person that were like, <laughs> yeah, definitely got to get Lana out. Cause she's seen all the other stuff and we'd already done. So it's like, yeah. And then you saw it. And then I, I think ultimately, yeah, I think your first response was, that's awesome. I don't know where you're going to be able to put that. <laughs> and then jump so ahead when the world away, kind of went crazy. Away from you is dream bigger. Then it's possible to produce. <laughs> you don't have to know. And I think I think that's part of the, the just mm-hmm. the, how we treat our artists here in, in this country is that everything is supposed to have a path and everything is supposed to have a plan. And I'm not against plans. I, I, I'm just uh, sometimes the point of a plan is knowing when you've left it. Um, and other times it's providence. I, I can't control all the variables necessary. So what do I want to do is I always want to enjoy what I'm doing while I'm doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that thing at Logan was like, no, this is it. And, uh, and it was, it was glorious. And it was people in a room in front of a music stand. Um, and so this became that, that next thing, like when we were talking about doing it um, and I know I'm over time, when we were talking about doing it, there was this question about, um, well, how are we going to do it? And I kind of left it to you because it was like, well, we could do, there's a small way to do it, a medium way to do it. And then there's just like the whole giant show, but that's resources. They're not things that we have. And you get to sort of make those choices. And so that required you to be like, all right, let's, uh, let's all do this. Let's go make a baby together. And, um, and like most any father, uh, I then became the guy who was like, was this my idea? Did I did I agree to this up front? What have I gotten myself into? So, <laughs> dream it, and I shared our shared dream with the funders, and yeah, going continuously with administration, and I got some grandparents grandparents involved, and <laughs> it, the whole village uh, came in. Uh, exactly, so, uh, we come close sure. to. I know we could talk for another seven and a half, twenty four hours. Um, if if you were living through it and you breathing through it, if you had a coach. And that coach was a wiser version of yourself. What would that coach tell you about this moment now to do and to guide you?
I, I, I sense a pause. Are you are you looking for your 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 way through, Andy? Yeah, I am. Um, and, it, and it's okay if there is a, is a silence on the other end. That's okay too. <laughs> I mean, I you know I feel like there are there continue to be so many challenges just based on the function of where we are, especially sort of COVID, you know, the, we're still living in a, in a, during a, a plague year or a plague period. And um, I just, I think actually, and I, um, you know, uh, my colleague, my writing colleague, but also the producer, Shepsu slash Reggie, um, you know, is doing an incredible job of being flexible and adaptable. Um you know, rolling with the punches or just, you know, figuring out what do we need to do every day to just keep moving it forward. Um, and I think, um, so I, so I actually, so I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, what, what coaching I would give my current self, because I think actually the, the patience um, and persistence um that's being exhibited right now from the from uh, all, all sides from the cast the producing team um etc is really admirable i just feel like we all have we have just have to continue to sort of breathe through it yeah the uh, mine is is i touched on easier earlier but I, I i did i just think it it bears repeating specifically for the 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 art makers that might listen to this. And it is that you really have to sit in the thing you are doing and enjoy being in it. And that we do have a, we do have a culture now that is just hardwired to generate anxiety and hardwired to then make you spin your wheels on things. And the answer is that there are just some things you control and some things you don't. And one of the things you control is always walking into that room with the joy of what's possible. I, as a creative, can't imagine a better world than showing up at work and watching 30 people be like, so you was banging this out on your computer at three o'clock in the morning, but we're going to make it alive. <laughs> and I, and I, I sit in it, it sounds ridiculous, but it is so true. There's a part of you that has to be the little kid of you that like, like made puppet shows for your family at Thanksgiving or something. And now you got like 30 people that are like, no, we're going to show you how to do a puppet show. Like that's, that's what it really feels like. And, and then you get to be so much bigger than yourself and so much bigger than the idea that you had. And it's, it's humbling, it's awe-inspiring, and frequently it turns into an amazing show. Uh, and that's the thing that you, you, you kind of have to surrender to, which is I don't have to know the answer to everything. I just have to. It's the one place in life where you really should just strive for perfect attendance if i could just be here <laughs> and uh, be present yeah it, <laughs> right? it essentially sums up to the advice of my wonderful yeah. midwife miriam schwarzschild yeah. just be just yeah. be in the moment and right. yeah be where you need to be well gentlemen thank you so much um ndy director of community engagement of the department of curiosity in looking glass theater and shop soyaku playwright and artistic director of Ampact African Centered Theater. Thank you, to be continued. <laughs>